Hello and welcome to episode one of the Sustainable E-Commerce podcast. I'm your host, Giles Smith, and in this series, I'm hoping to provide you with thought-provoking ideas and inspiring stories from some of the trailblazers in the world of sustainable e-commerce, as well as arm you with the knowledge and tools needed to grow your brand sustainably. Now, while I hope the content will be interesting for everyone, it is primarily directed to the owners of sustainable product brands, as well as a guide and inspiration to existing brands looking to adopt sustainable practices and transition to making products from sustainable materials as well. So in this first show, I figured it would be quite useful to tackle the topic of what sustainable e-commerce actually is and, frankly, why you should care. The caring part is probably quite easy to deal with. I mean, unless you've been living under a rock for these past few years, I'm, I'm quite sure you're familiar with the horrifying amount of plastic making its way into our ocean and the resulting focus on the reduction of single-use plastics. But specifically in regards to e-commerce, perhaps some statistics could be of help to set the scene. So according to eMarketer, our industry has doubled its market share of overall global retail sales from about 10% back in 2017 to over 20% this year in 2022. That makes the e-commerce industry an absolute powerhouse with over $6 trillion in annual sales worldwide. As a result of the growth, it's estimated that over a billion tonnes of plastic packaging waste were produced in 2019. And while I haven't been able to find any reputable current statistics, you can bet your butt it's higher in 2022 after the pandemic surge. So despite trends towards recycled paper packaging, nearly 250 million tonnes of paper packaging is still being made from virgin wood pulp every single year, equivalent to about 8 billion trees. Only around 15% of that packaging is thought to be recycled, while estimates in the US suggest that nearly 40% of all landfill is actually packaging waste, much of it from online sales. It's quite clear then that as an industry, we have to act differently for the good of our planet. But it's not just environmentally conscious brand owners that are paying attention. Knowledge of the plastics problem in particular is changing consumer purchasing behavior the world over, particularly in millennials and Gen Z. You can find all manner of citations across the internet to suggest that up to 60% of consumers now actively prefer to purchase from sustainable brands. With supply chain efficiencies improving all the time, can you really afford to lose market share to more sustainably conscious brands? Finally, thanks to lobbying, it is becoming politically beneficial for governments around the world to start setting goals on things like carbon emissions and to implement regulations on packaging materials. Australia is behind the game, yet still set a net zero target for carbon emissions by 2050. That may seem like a long way off, and indeed it is, but if e-commerce is currently 20% of the retail industry, how soon can you expect regulation to start forcing the issue here as well? The EU has already enacted plastic packaging constraints on a whole raft of verticals. How long before similar regulations get introduced in your area? So choosing to focus on sustainability isn't just good for the environment, although that's probably enough on its own. 
consumers are actively seeking brands that make them feel good about their own contribution and their purchasing decisions and are often willing to pay more when they do find them. That means that choosing to operate sustainably now before regulation forces everyone's hand gives you a competitive advantage. But enough about why you should care. Let's narrow down on what this thing called sustainable e-commerce actually is. And first, we really need to agree what e-commerce is. It's tempting to think of the scope of e-commerce as just being online sales. Consumers click a button on a website or shop channel, and sometime later their purchase magically arrives at their front door. Perhaps 15 years ago you could think of e-commerce under this narrow definition, just the act of purchase. For me, though, that's not what e-commerce really is anymore. Going way beyond the digital expansion of the high street retail, e-commerce today encompasses many business models and has enabled a new generation of entrepreneurs and business owners that was almost unthinkable in the 90s and still highly impractical even in the early 2000s. It includes, of course, brand manufacturers of all sizes who develop novel products to meet their niche. It also includes private labelers and dropshippers and digitally native retailers, whether or not they also have a physical presence. There is certainly some truth to the notion that selling stuff online is a more sustainable approach than operating a physical storefront. An e-com store, for example, doesn't have any of the related energy costs like ambient store temperature control and keeping the lights on, not to mention the consumer energy spend in getting to the store in the first place. So what then is sustainable e-commerce? There aren't really any consistent definitions that, to me, adequately sum it up. But I like to think of sustainable e-commerce simply as the practice of growing a direct-to-consumer brand without leaving a negative footprint on the world. As that phrasing suggests, it's a goal-orientated definition that requires ongoing attention. It has to be about growth because a stagnant or declining business is a dying business. And frankly, a dying business is not very useful to the world. As a practice, I think e-commerce can be distilled into four pillars. Sustainable production, sustainable distribution, sustainable marketing, and sustainable management. So let's go through those. Sustainable production. In this, we share responsibility with any physical product brand, whether they sell online or not. We're talking in this pillar about cradle-to-grave product stewardship. If you're a brand manufacturer, then for you, this pillar includes things like choosing sustainable materials. That might include the selection of organic or sustainably engineered materials like cork, tree rubber, jute, vegan leather, plant-based plastics. Or it could also include the careful selection of non-virgin stroke recycled materials like post-consumer or ocean plastics, as we'll see in a future show with brand founder and supply chain innovator Ricky Gilby, as well as recycled paper, reclaimed wood, or even things like recycled tires, ceramics, and batteries. It also includes engineering your product in such a way that the materials can be upcycled, recycled, or perhaps easily composted at the end of their life as well as ensuring minimal consumption of resources through its lifetime. If your brand, by contrast, is an online retailer, private labeler, dropshipper, then this pillar includes conscious supply chain management, including sourcing from sustainable and ethical suppliers. 
for all business models underneath the e-commerce banner. It also includes making conscious decisions about where your suppliers are based. The carbon footprint of purchasing from or working with factories in your home country is likely much lower than purchasing more cheaply from factories in China. And this is where sustainable management and sustainable marketing overlap. While making values-based choices to source locally where possible, your business still needs to generate sufficient profit. Educating the customer to the positive impact your choices are making can support the higher prices you'll need to maintain healthy margins. The next pillar is sustainable distribution. Regardless of your business model, if your brand serves customer demand directly through an online channel, then the sustainable distribution pillar should become a core focus in your journey to sustainability. Clearly, making conscious choices regarding shipments and product packaging is central to this pillar. There are plenty of recycled paper-based alternatives to things like bubble wrap, packaging peanuts, etc. And there are also plenty of sustainable shipment packaging companies now making things like reusable delivery pouches and satchels from recycled plastic and even organic compostable materials. Given the sheer volume of packaging that is ending up in landfill, compostable packaging certainly has my vote. Distribution, though, is also about more than just packaging materials. Can you choose a fulfillment or shipping partner that gives due consideration to their carbon footprint, like perhaps Sendal? Are you storing your goods in fulfillment centres connected to green or renewable energy? Are your customers able to choose to offset their shipping with carbon credits on your website? Equally, how are you handling post-purchase distribution, including returns and end-of-life product takebacks? The third pillar, and, and one that's very close to my own heart, is uh, sustainable marketing. And fundamentally, marketing is about communication. It's about understanding the customer's needs and connecting with them in such a way that your products are an obvious choice. And with that in mind, sustainable marketing must include telling the story of how your brand is tackling the relevant sustainability issues. Customers are increasingly choosing sustainable brands and failing to tell your story properly undermines the customer's ability to choose your brand. You should champion it. You're doing great work. But marketing in a sustainable business takes finesse and balance. Care is needed to ensure your narrative doesn't accidentally stray into greenwashing territory. The safest way is to ensure your sustainability initiatives are transparent and include plenty of proof. Beyond that narrative, there is a growing uneasiness around balancing sales velocity with hyperconsumerism. Sustainability advocates are increasingly critical of major sales events like Black Friday. Offering ultra-deep discounts to acquire customers is seen as encouraging excess consumption, leading at best to unnecessary shipment footprint, but also a surge in landfill from discarded items. It can raise valid and potentially severely brand-damaging questions about how ethical your brand supply chain is, as was the case for the brand Pretty Little Thing in the UK, offering 99% off bikinis. While we're on the topic of communication... The fact that e-commerce brands are direct consumer means that you not only have the ability to engage your customers, but in fact, in my view, also the duty to educate customers on the impact of their choices. There are thousands of ways that you can approach that, from simple fact-based awareness videos, email content to subscribers, all the way through to things like suggesting sustainable alternatives to items a customer has already selected in their cart. 
This is truly about using your brand presence to influence downstream change for a better planet. Beyond communication, though, marketing has a footprint all of its own. There are some obvious things. If you're distributing flyers or printing brochures or adding inbox insert promotions, you can obviously take a look at recycled paper as well as sustainable inks. For most e-com brands, though, the bigger issue is carbon footprint associated with digital marketing. And talking about digital carbon footprint usually gets a reaction somewhere between a mic drop and an eye roll. But the simple fact is digital marketing happens over the Internet. The Internet sends data, you know, your website, an email, an instant message, a product image, a brand video. It sends it from the, your hosted servers to the consumer's device, and that requires power. Studies have shown that content-rich emails could result in up to 50 grams of carbon dioxide being per, released per email. A typical web page might release two to four grams of carbon for every page load. These may seem like small numbers, but multiply that by the number of pages viewed per year or the number of emails you might send over a year period to a database of 100,000 subscribers. And you can quickly understand why digital carbon needs to be taken seriously by e-com brands. Lastly, we come to the pillar of sustainable management. By that, I don't mean sustainability management. I'm talking about the practice of business management needed to operate and indeed grow a thriving and profitable sustainable e-commerce brand. Of course, we're talking about balancing profit with purpose. That's not new. I'm also talking about the structures and tools and the leadership required to be able to sustain your purpose, both throughout your team and for the long haul. In a world where e-com brands are often built almost entirely virtually, and my brands were no exception, it can be easy to ignore the importance of leadership. But in fact, sustainable brands must have strong ethical and value-based leadership at their very core. How else can you communicate and embed your principles and empower your teams to act in congruency with your brand? As you scale up from being a solopreneur, you quickly realize you can't do everything. And in today's world where it is, let's face it, tough to find high quality team members, building and communicating a powerful narrative to your teams might just be the difference between long term and valuable team members versus punch card employees. If you're in the fashion space or making products of some kind out of fabric, you've probably given consideration as well as investment to having your product certified by organizations such as GOTS or the Rainforest Alliance or Ecotex. But have you given any thought to the relevant certifications for your business? Probably the world's best known business level certification for purpose-driven brands is the B Corp process. They have a team here in Australia. While it's heavily involved process, I highly recommend you get started with their free online questionnaire. It will give you some incredible insights as well as form a roadmap for becoming a more sustainable business. Lastly, but by no means least, sustainable management includes sustainably managing one's own energy, health, mindset, and vitality. As we'll hear from my guest next week, sustainable growth is about finding the right pace for you. There's no right answer here, but there are many wrong answers. If your business is having a positive impact on the world, then it needs you at the helm, driving things forward. If you burn yourself out or can't support yourself financially or destroy your family relationships and networks, you're not serving the world because ultimately that is not sustainable. 
So that was a huge amount of ground to cover. And if you've listened for this long, firstly, thank you. I do appreciate you. And secondly, my hope for this whole series is to slowly but surely break down that four pillars behemoth I've outlined into actionable and bite-sized chunks, all intertwined with tried and tested techniques for growing your business, as well as the inspiring stories from other entrepreneurs blazing a trail and building sustainable brands. Next week, I'm joined by Kate Peterson, yoga industry luminary and founder of sustainable brand Love Earth. Through all of her brands, she's on a mission to care for country, remove plastics from the yoga supply chain and do all of it at a sustainable pace. For now, thanks for listening. Keep making conscious choices and I'll see you next week.